Thank you for joining me on this journey and welcome to episode 15 of Remembering Our Way Home. This week, our featured guest is Sangoma Oludoye, daughter, wife, mother, and grandmother, serving for more than 20 years as a traditional Yoruba priestess, educator, artist, cultural preservationist and ambassador. Sangoma reflects on her journey and enlightens listeners with ancestral wisdom. Welcome to Remembering Our Way Home, a weekly podcast to inspire, enlighten, and empower listeners via personal testimonies, discussions, and interviews with featured individuals who have embraced the transformational and ancient practice of ancestral veneration. Thank you, Ia Sangoma, for being with me this evening on Remembering Our Way Home. I'm so honored and so thankful that you um, have agreed to set time aside and um, to talk with me about your journey with your ancestors. My first question... (laughs) <laughs> My first question for you this evening is, what are some of the blessings, magic, and miracles you have witnessed in your life as a result of developing a relationship with your ancestors? <clears throat> that was That's a full, we're writing books right now, my dear. <laughs> and let me thank you for, for asking us in to this platform. Um, February always feels good, even though we celebrate, of course, all of our <clears throat> list, uh, lineage and, and our ancestors. And uh, in February, it just feels good, and my birthday is in February as well. And so um, in your questions, you have miracles, magic, and tell me the third one, blessings. Mm-hmm. I am a miracle, and, the, and I tell people that now uh, and have for, I guess, the last 12 years or since we returned then from full stillness, paralysis, when doctors told us we would not walk again. And um, <clears throat> and we do walk, we drive, and <laughs> we don't run. Some things did not come back, but the miracle of it. And, and the grandmother that raised me said, if, if you see, just like you asked me, if you see or even become one of God's miracles, you should always testify. So I put that one first. Um, the magic, you know, so that people can really get a hold and feel my relationship to my ancestors. Um, as we say, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And whether you look at it a little biologically or, um, you know, from that uh, physical and non-physical realm, then we will see, of course, in our Akashic records, in our cellular DNA, the blood that runs in our veins. Uh, tells us, uh, informs us of an, an amazing story that connects us to the lives before ours. Um, I am, uh, uh, they have different names in different parts, but for here, <clears throat> the term from the granny midwives is this is a child that is born in the call. 
C-A-U-L. And uh, later on in life, we learned also then if we were born back in ancient Africa, then we would have been considered an abiku, a child that is born to die. And these children, <clears throat> again, here in America, they um, they describe it, you know what happens literally, is that the baby comes out and the membrane of the ambanic sac that they were in is is, is kind of sealed across their eyes. And so uh, this was what my grandmother showed me <clears throat> when I was 11. And I, I, I had a full understanding in that day of um, magic inside of me. And that was that, uh, we, you know, we moved from New York, from Jamaica, New York, to Savannah, Georgia, at the height of integration and all types of things in the late 60s. And we had a beloved uncle, Ibarra Tarun, that <clears throat> was our guide and sort of liaison into Savannah, got our real estate agent and saw to, you know, our housing and, and took us around and all like that. And about a year and a half later, Uncle Johnny Wade passed away. And uh, not more than two weeks after that, I was playing in my grandmother's backyard. I probably was about 10 or 11 years old. And I saw Uncle Johnny just like I'm looking out here now, seeing this fence right here in this yard. I saw Uncle Johnny standing there at the at the back fence of the <clears throat> backyard, just smiling so beautifully at me. Well, you know, and it startled me because I clearly remembered being at that funeral just two two weeks ago, and 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 that yeah, sure enough, the same person was the person that was laying <laughs> in the casket. Yeah, and so wow. I ran on inside. <clears throat> I ran on inside to my grandma. I said, Grandma, Uncle Johnny is at the back gate. <laughs> he had a, a, a red and black lumberjack shirt. I, it, you know, I, I could see him clearly as I see anything in front of me now. And so she mm. said, oh, okay. And she asked me to sit down right there at the kitchen table. She went on in her bedroom, and she got that that tissue, which is, of course, is all, you know, crumpled. You know, it's still in one piece, amazingly, but she kept it between the pages of her Bible. And mm -hmm. on that day, she had a real good conversation with me <laughs> about what these gifts or magic, as you call it, inside of me, what it was. And, you know, whether we call it the sight or a gift or, or whatever it was, gift thanks, she had it. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't come across strange because, you know, for her to tell me, well, this is what happens and the hair will stand up on your neck and just, you know, I mean, she gave me a real, like, spirit 101 class. And I was thankful, of course, but and not mm -hmm. until many years later, oof, you know, because I'm 10, 11 years old, then maybe in my 30s, 40s, um, that I came into other children gifted. And this story wasn't like mine. Their family oh. wasn't open or receptive to that particular right. brand of magic. And so, therefore, uh, you, have we run into children, you know, of course, labeled bipolar or this or that or the other, drugged, put in hospitals. Right. The stories were horrendous. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. very, very blessed. You see how we mm -hmm. arrive at the third part of your question. Blessed mm -hmm. and highly mm -hmm. favored, number mm -hmm. one, to to sit right here in this moment in California and can draw upon any, any uh, treasure chest of memories with uh, uh, those 
who I remember my life. I remember that lemonade. I remember that church. I remember that house. You know what I mean? So for some families, again, coming into the traditions of my priesthood, uh, you know, it's just a list of names or mama told them or they know mama had a, a brother or sister, something like that, but they didn't remember them. They died before they were uh, born or when they were very young. Not me. I, I, <laughs> I had a life with like over 300 easy, easy ancestors in my life that either was a summer vacation or I went to stay with them or they came by us. And so I think that that sits at the heart, beloved, of my relationship to my ancestors because literally I can remember who they were in my life, Mm -hmm. not just people related to me that were passed down, you know, just in names. So you you're basically saying that you were born with a with a call. Is that correct? Born in the call is what Granny yeah, was in the call. P A U L. Do you notice a difference in your family dynamics, and or your or or your relationships with your with your various family members as a result of venerating your ancestors? Absolutely. Um, There are many things that families and relationships and families by blood and families by choice um, Mm -hmm. move us into. And I think that those that, you know, I live in this world, as I say to people all the time, this is my day job. (laughs) So I don't, you know, I'm like maybe, and it's different for everyone, you know, devout Catholics, they may go and light candles and their novenas and thing every morning. Every morning I come out here and change the water and tend the altar and place a cup of coffee. This morning we gave them a little bit of our grits and salmon as we were out here. And so, you know, when mm-hmm. there are um, things that we have to rely upon, like the early part of the week, uh, granddaughter went into the military. That's huge for me, huge. <laughs> because, you okay. know, that trigger in there has a root like uh, Vietnam War. My um, mother was ready to move to Canada. She didn't want my um, my brother to go into the service. And mm-hmm. I'm here in California, so like the whole going away party and everything for jazz, I didn't get any of that. And so when I got jazz on the face chat just as she was uh, moving toward the airport, I did say that to her. I said, not until this moment do I really recognize when, when our young people become of age and they depart from us or they're going kind of out of our reach for Pisces mother and grandmother and great-grandmother. It, 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 you know, it just puts up a little bit of anxiety <laughs> and a good mm-hmm. little worry. And I said, I, you know, that when I give that hug, you know, goodbye, and, you know, and my spirit will pray over that child in the hug. I didn't get that mm-hmm. with jazz. So I'm saying to you just just here recently, immediately, as if in every day um, that comes mm-hmm. along that I find what I am holding in the intention and in holding the sacred. And, you know, we've been having beautiful fires in the fireplace tonight. And as we out here painting the mermaid of Yamaja who prays over women and children, that our prayers, it's all a continuum. The agreements are between um. the living, the dead, and those waiting to be born. So there's every 
part of my waking and sleeping and, and communion and my ancestors' movements through me because my children and all my relations, my family that you ask about that I pray for, are our ancestors' returns, you know. And so it's a beautiful thing, even now when we have to build these bridges with people that we have such opposite opinions of. It's a beautiful thing, uh, those mm-hmm. of us, I think, empaths, those that walk in the call to, uh, you know, just approach those those relationships uh, in the sense that uh, I'm going to look larger than the you and me in this picture. I'm going to look for the beloved ancestors that raise you as their child, and I'm going to stand fully as the child that my ancestors raised, and therefore our dialogue will be different, our interaction will be different, because we're just not two egos standing in front of one another. For a lot of people, you know, ancestor veneration is is mm, limited, maybe is the word, to altar work, and that would not be the case for me. I'd just come all the way across the country in the car <laughs> to one because I had yeah. a godmother, mm-hmm. you know, rise up and, and go join the ancestors. And so, therefore, mm-hmm. then that governs, like, my whole daily schedule now for as long as I'm here and tending and, and doing what I know she would want to be done mm-hmm. ceremonially in her final rites. And again, the, the covenants and the agreements are between the living, the dead, and those waiting to be born. You know, it's not that there's a right or wrong or a particular way to accomplish any of this. There are many ways, many, many, many ways in many cultures and traditions. But um, uh, it's like anything else I say to students all the time. Why would you bother to gather the wood up and, and get a everything that you need, you know, your twigs and your starter and light the fire and then walk off and just, I don't know, you got lost, you let it go out, you didn't come back and tend it or stoke it or put more wood on it. And it's that way with our relationships, not only the ones here in Earth School, but most especially the ones that continue on after people drop their physical robes. Again, energy never dies. So um, for us, you know, death is not is not final. Death is a gateway. Actually, they're dying in earth school, but they're being born somewhere else on another level in another dimension. That's what we believe. (laughs) So it sounds like you had an early introduction to your ancestors, (laughs) a very Very early Very early, even before that that I told you, I was just sitting here thinking um, before that story I told you and when when I was back in New York. But you see, Mm -hmm. a lot of the gifts were prevalent, but I didn't didn't connect the dots. And I remember being back in New York. We lived at Rochdale Village, building uh, building 18, uh, floor number five. And the phone rang one day, and the phone, you know, y'all would know nothing about that, but the phones were in certain rooms on the walls at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was in the kitchen, and I was in the bedroom. And before my mother got to the phone, while the phone was still ringing, I said out of my mouth, I said, Grandpa died. Just like that. Mm. And she picked up the phone, and sure enough, (laughs) it was someone calling her to tell her that my father's father had had a heart attack. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, 
I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things showed up. I talked to the moon and stopped and listened and heard back in New York in my grandmother's house. I don't even know that age. I was probably six or seven. So there are tidbits of, of things that I remember in my experiences that uh, I guess some folk would call paranormal. Uh, I just call it that, just that, my relationship with um, other energies outside of the physical ones that are here on earth. My next question is, you know, as you were called so early, did you ever later on, you know, now as as you are now a priestess and a cultural custodian for the ancestors, did you ever come to a point on your journey, your your path, where you resisted the call, or were you always just open to receiving? No, ma'am. <laughs> Never. Never, never. It, you know, because it, it, I really spoke this destiny. I say that because, um, A, there were so many spiritual beings um, in many different forms, ministers, midwives, um, uh, medicine women, root women from every single corner. Again, I was tremendously blessed to have had lifetimes and full experiences with all four grandparents. My my father's mother is one of 21 children. Her mother was the pure Cherokee, you know, and then in the side of the Koulibaly's, the Wades, the Pollens, there were 13. Uncle Johnny was an adopted child of that clan. So there were huge clans <laughs> of all these different types of gifted people, people who do what they had. They weren't traditional Yoruba priests. They were priests of what they understood, whether it was the 91st Psalm, God, Jesus. They, you know, they just moved in priestly lives. They started the first Negro school down there in Jasper County, and they were on a mission, you know. And and so, um, yeah, I didn't, I, anywhere I looked around in any of my families, I always embraced and revered the magical and the, the, yeah, the magical beings, you know. I could see that even in their Negro form, in their black form, big church hats, daughters of Isis, Eastern stars, Shriners, you know. My, my grandfather, my mother's father was a 33-degree Mason, so when his funeral happened, he had all of those magnificent Shriners uh, with the swords mm-hmm. across his front yard that they moved the casket mm-hmm. through. So, yeah, so everywhere around me, I was fully supported. I was not thought strange or ostracized, nor did I think that about the magical wonders that I saw people in my family doing on a daily basis. I created this platform to inform, inform you know, mostly, you know, people who may not be, entirely familiar with ancestral veneration. So, you know, I created this platform for, you know, people who would like to, you know, learn more about this whole journey. And as um, I listen to you and listen to your experiences, I would like to know, what would you say to those people about why, why developing a relationship with their, with their ancestors matter? Why, you know, why is it so important? What would you say? Um, I would ask them why it was not important. What I, I would have to know, 
you know, and okay. I would point out gently, yeah, I would point out gently that in a world filled with ancestor mm-hmm. veneration, filled to the mm-hmm. gills, pull the money mm-hmm. out your purse and look at the pictures and look at the mm-hmm. statues and look at the buildings and look at the courthouses with the judges with lights up under them and go to the White mm-hmm. House and see every president's picture with lights up under it. And, mm. and in the face of every other race of beings that have memorials and holidays, God dang it, and sales at Walmart over people's lives that live before them, which is a definition of an ancestor, and I would say to them, and maybe yours at this moment of me bringing that to your attention, your ancestors seem less important than that. Do they have a book, a history book, where you tell their story? Are there pictures mm-hmm. up in the churches that they went to? What type of monuments? See, I know, like Baba Odea, who has the studio where I do a lot of my CD, my storytelling CDs. And some black people do have statues of their parents in their front yard. And they do have solar lights at the base of it. And so, you know, whether it's in your nail shop and it's the little house with the, with the incense and the tea, whatever it is, look around, open your eyes. Look around is what I would say. Um, you could you could think that that was other people's hobbies, or you could really ask yourself, what is the relationship to the lives of people on earth here that have erected such temples and monuments and are in the remembrance of particular ancestors, and what could that possibly mean for you? If you were to even go down the path of having that relationship, no separation, no, don't let the word veneration get in your way. It's basically a way to, and, and, and to many young people, I say to them, and what will be your relationship to your children when your last breath is taken here? Are you to say that mm-hmm. you just go in the never-never land or you don't know or, you know, within the freedom of all, no longer hindered by uh, uh, pain riddled or, or bills or any of the things that we have down here in earth school, you're just now pure energy and 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 you feel like you go on and that relationship to all of the families you left behind is broken. You see, so there's certain things when you go down and start digging in what does it mean for me to venerate my ancestors. I think that people get most of their enlightenment. Um, and again, you know, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. You, you will or you won't. Um, uh, but remembrance is a good thing. Remembrance is a good thing. Yeah, so it's there, you know, like like other things that um, we see around us in our world, but maybe no one ever, or we and ourselves didn't give ourselves permission to engage it. And I think that's a lot of it, you know, is that um, our mystery schools have been long gone. So, you know, and, 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 and great kings and queens buried in, in great ceremony and worshipped year after year from the pyramids and on. Um, these types of things that one would ask, well, why did they do it? And how come nobody taught it to me? And, you know, it's, it's a good conversation. I find it to be one of the, my most interesting conversations with those who come to me um, seeking to go deeper and understand what, what really is behind 
behind the lighting of the candles or keeping an altar? What really is underneath the bottom? And again, I say that's just a phase. It's, you know, certainly the deathing of our, of our people and um, how we view that journey into the afterlife and sometimes um, to begin to move into what would be considered ancestor veneration brings about not only a, a, a grander relationship, but it also brings about, um, it makes your feet steady on the course here because you kind of recognize in ancestor veneration the baton that you picked up from other people who lived before you. And if, like you and me, you have children and grandchildren, you're going to, you know, kind of gauge your life by how that legacy or how that baton is going to be passed down. And that within itself is ancestor veneration. So um, the term the term has many different pastels and shades to it. I don't that you know again I say there's ancestor uh, veneration of so many different types and measures and styles in all of the peoples across the earth that um, maybe what we know of it in North America has other innuendos that cause us not to embrace it. As I think about. You know, everything you just um, shared, I think about the, the current season that we're in, you know, in our world. Um, for me, it's been a time of stillness. What do you think the ancestors would have us to know? What is it that you think they would like for us to know during this time of transformation? Right. Well, I certainly wouldn't try and put, you know, the host of ancestors. That's a big party. <laughs> and we just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's a big party. And we're now at 450,000 more that have just moved into that realm. So I wouldn't try to wow. put all of them into a box to say. But here's yeah. what I'm going to say in the highlights on top of that question. The highlights are some people's ancestors would echo out the chickens have come home to roost. And other people's ancestors would say this is a level of reparations. This is a level of, 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 of uh, an, our ability, our opportunity as their children, their descendants, to knit together and begin to repair some of the rips and scars and, and, and wounds of our very, very, very jagged and dark past when there's so many um, uh, untruths, uh, uh, misinformation, disinformation swirling around, then it beckons us in our soul to get real right and real rooted in what is your truth and to live our lives in a way that expresses our truth. And that um, and that we uphold the standard with which we were raised, or that we would want to ascend to. That's a movement that happens in deep inside of ourselves when we're out here in the midst of a lot of chaos and confusion. That says, "How shall I walk this?" Here's the thing again: <laughs> codes of conduct, how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself, how you uphold your integrity and good character in your relationships is what gives everybody around you a clear visual of how you are loving yourself. And you know, if you're not in possession of peace, 
within yourself, you can't give it to another person. If you're not in possession of really a high quality of self-love for yourself, you can't give it to another person. (laughs) If you can't separate Mm -hmm. the lies you've been telling yourself about yourself, then what do you have to offer that's pure and true to another person? So it's like when the old people told you that the thumb always points back to the self. I've really been saying that the people who are outraged at the edge of their understanding with all the parts in in, uh, our U.S. politics and things like that going on now, and I say, no, I've watched it. I have watched this since Burger King came and told everyone that they could have it their way. I watched then how far the idea of power over Mm. or oppression or convenience or I I watched it and I watched not only adults move in it, but in more and more in the, uh, you know, $5,000, 16, sweet 16 parties and this level and Mm. that level and you don't have to do nothing. You don't Mm -hmm. even have to clean your room for me to go out and buy you a $120 pair of sneakers. I'm going to just do it. And so when it is, yeah, so part of being able to walk to the next place, to the golden age, is to, uh, you know, be right here at the bottom of the tower that fell now. (laughs) Y'all went overboard and all guardrails were, were dismissed. And and mm-hmm. and so when you when you 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 know you find yourself in an atmosphere like that, then I look down at my grandchildren and and great grands, and I understand that I as an elder have to hold the boundaries so that they just don't slip over into lawlessness, where there's no applicable law. And I don't mean the ones on the books necessarily. I mean the ones that govern our decency, our humanity, treating others as we want to be treated. So all of those ancient sayings, you know, that that I was raised with, they're still here. They're still here. And I think that, um, not I think, I know, because the people who gave me my guardrails and my standard are my ancestors. And I I will carry that good wisdom with me until my last breath, because I I see it as a pretty good medicine bag to carry through my journey Mm -hmm. here in their school. Yeah, I'm not throwing anything out of my medicine bag that was given to me, because it helps me on my journey in earth every day. Like I say, you know, here, a pandemic, I can't even reach. I have three daughters and 12 grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like that old compound where you see all your family, family very close and connected. Now we're very separated. And we have to depend upon those same agreements and covenants that we all mm-hmm. spoke coming into the air school to, to play this this particular script on life's stage out yeah as we move to close um i like to know is there a is there a, a specific film or a song that you like that reminds you of your ancestors many many uh, many many <laughs> what's the first film that comes to your mind when you think about your ancestors the first film well, there's a, there's a song in Yoruba, you know, and that's what I'm saying, like, this morning on the good of the whole, uh, we sang this little light of mine. And so, you know, it's very, that's what I'm saying. It's like some mm-hmm. songs, Mahalia Jackson level, and some songs from church yep. that you mm-hmm. know particular yep. ancestors love. But to be honest with you, the first song that came into my mind as the question was asked is the Yoruba song. <clears throat> and it says, um, M. 
Egungun, egungun, itailati jo. Egungun, egungun, itailati jo. Egung faye, ahi olahan. Egung faye, ahi olahan. Egungun, egungun, baba wa. Egungun, egungun, ye ye wa. So that song speaks of um, uh, the dance of our ancestors. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it calls our ancestors and salutes their dance. And then, that, you know, at the end, Egungun, uh, which Egungun is like our whole host, heavenly host, or our whole committee. Mm-hmm. You know, when we speak mm-hmm. of our ancestors as they group a whole mass. Egungun, Egungun, ba ba wa, fathers come close. Egungun, Egungun, yay, yay, wa, mothers come close. So that's the first song that came to my mind. <laughs> yes, that's resonating so deeply in me now. <laughs> I just feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's beautiful. What about a film? Anything come to mind? A film? Well, you know, yes. we just said we just are under the the rising of Cecily Tyson, and we think about the power of yes. films like like Sounder yeah, and then James Pittman, and you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, more recently because um, it was such a, a shock for all of us for King T'Challa to go and leave us like that so quick from Black Panther, right. and then his, <laughs> yeah, his last role in Ma Rainey, I thought was I yeah. hope they give him an award, yeah, and outstanding beyond mm-hmm. anything and mm-hmm. I've seen him in all of his various roles all of them very sad right. but that last okay. role he put his foot in that he put his foot totally in that yeah um, yeah so you know roots is monumental mm-hmm. for for young yes. people who didn't li- live in that time but thank you in conclusion mama Sangoma, <laughs> I would like to ask what would you say to inspire or encourage others who are interested in cultivating a spiritual relationship with their ancestors? Mm, I would say it's not as hard as you think. I think that um, even now, you know, so that we secure for our children that they just didn't come from, you know, another planet or something, you know, very small projects when they're in school and history and things like that. Do a family tree. Pull out the Bible, look at the family tree. Begin to place names and names and names. Give them a sense of whose mother, whose mother, whose mother that is, whose father, whose father, whose child is that as you're growing up, not only with the oldest, but who you are and how that thing goes together, how does family tree work, and how do you stay connected to that family tree, and should you? And what are your what are your customs and traditions? Again, you know, do you just at this point now, you know, send them off to be cremated and you get back the ashes and okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what keeps, yeah, what keeps that moving in 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 the own way, and if you have nothing but small memories, what what is it that should be left when your eyes close? Shall you take some paper in the time to write some of your childhood stories down about people that you were in your life that are now ancestors, so that your children might have the benefit of those stories? It could be ancestor veneration, it could be as simple as that. I'm gonna write a storybook for my children about my family, who they knew the least, you know, coming up. 
And uh, or it could be, you know, that you can't, you don't want to write. Then where are the family photos? I'm going to make sure that we have a good picture album, picture book here. You know, it doesn't always have to look like an African altar with candles on it. Again, you know, Alex Haley went deep. And who knows if he ever had an altar with candles on it. But he sure wrote a book, and they sure made a movie, and then they made a TV series out of it. So ancestor veneration can look a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, I guess, that you know, again, the people that raised me assured me, you know, my, my aunt said if she went out her back door to get in the car, she said, the angels of the Lord go out before me. My success is assured. And I think whatever morning I asked her about that, she looked at me and she said, well, who do you think I'm talking to? You think angels are people unrelated to us over there on the other side of the world? I'm calling to, to my mama and her mama and, and, and our people, you know, and all the people like that. They didn't say ancestors so much. They considered those people to be their angels or their guardian angels. Um, yeah, so wherever wherever the the embers of that relationship is some for some people to be in church for some people to be in the kitchen remembering great grandma's recipe around thanksgiving it's in different places that we can pick up our inspiration for never losing the story of our families or that we would dare to allow others to narrate the story of our families. We should all be living witnesses now to what that could lead to. So we should tell our own stories. And our own stories at some point have to include who came before us. Born in the call is a divine and special call, a call to see beyond one's immediate world and the courage to share the vision with others. After a 20-year career in broadcast journalism, television, and radio, life presented the opportunity for Sangoma to explore shamanism, women's history, Pan-Africanism, and Wise Woman Traditions. This week's scripted wisdom comes from the beautiful treasure chest of our beloved Cicely Tyson. Here are a few related quotes. Age is just a number. Life and aging are the greatest gifts that we could possibly ever have. Whatever good I have accomplished as an actress, I believe came in direct proportion to my efforts to portray black women who have made positive contributions to my heritage. I was raised in a sort of village. I have a huge family, and I think there is strength in that. It helped me to deal with some of the complications of living in the South because I always felt like I belonged no matter what. (laughs) 